This is the Voice Podcast Network. Welcome to Post Pitch, a bi-weekly podcast that dives a little deeper into an article published in this week's print issue of the Georgetown Voice. Today, I'm interviewing our writer, Lucas Solomon, to learn more about the editorial board's piece on the ethics of Georgetown's investments. Please enjoy. Welcome, Lucas. Thank you for having me, Romy. I am so excited about this piece. I think it's so important. So would you mind giving us an overview of the piece? Yeah, absolutely. So when this piece was first pitched um, last semester, uh, the idea was to just take a look at Georgetown's investments and call on Georgetown to divest. Divestment is the process of a university or any investor really pulling their money out of a certain corporation in protest of some action that the, the corporation is taking to harm the world in some way. So the initial vision was this was going to be called Georgetown divest from X, Y, and Z. Um, But then as we looked into it, um, we looked at Georgetown's public investments, and then we also realized that Georgetown has um, an SRI policy, that stands for Socially Responsible Investing. Georgetown has this policy that pledges that Georgetown will invest only in ethical corporations. So they won't invest in anything that damages the environment, any corporations committing crimes against humanity or any kind of atrocities or social injustices. So it, it upon first glance, seemed like this framework already existed um, for holding Georgetown accountable. So. We realized that, but then we looked into um, Georgetown's investments that they publicly report out, and we realized there's serious dissonance between their policy on paper versus what they're investing in. So we took a deeper dive into why is that dissonance there? Why isn't Georgetown following through on this? And what we found is Georgetown just completely lacks structures of accountability. So while this exists on paper and it looks really good from an outside perspective, when you really get into it, you realize that, you know, Georgetown isn't following through on their commitments and there's nobody who can really hold them to account. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I was looking through the piece and honestly, it was, I mean, really shocking what you guys were able to uncover. So would you mind telling us more about those third party investing companies that seem to be popping up everywhere in Georgetown's investing? Absolutely. So we estimated that Georgetown invests about over $1 billion at the moment um, in different corporations. However, the methods they take for investing vary um, widely. About $285 million of Georgetown's investments are publicly traded. So what that essentially means is Georgetown invested that money in the public market and then has to as in is legally required to report those investments to the uh, SEC, which is a federal oversight committee. And then that report that Georgetown makes um, is then archived and those archives are accessible to the public, right? Mm-hmm. So so we're able to see um, where Georgetown currently invests about $285 million of their investments. But that's only a fraction of $1 billion, right? right? Yeah, the rest of that is invested in private equity and venture capital. And there's no way of looking at the specifics of that. Georgetown just says X amount of money is going into private equity and venture capital. We don't know if that's being invested ethically, unethically. There's just no way to hold them accountable. There's no way for us to keep Georgetown in check. And that's kind of the point of this piece. Now, I want to return to what you were asking about third-party companies, right? Um, Because 
while we can see where Georgetown is investing $285 million of their investments, you know, we don't always know exactly which corporations that's going to. And that's, that sounds confusing, but let me explain. Uh, Georgetown reports that they directly invest in some companies, such as Starbucks or Alphabet slash Google. Right. Um, and, you know, we know what those corporations are and we can look at what they're doing. But then over $100 million of Georgetown's publicly traded investments are going into third-party investors. So right. a middleman between Georgetown and these corporations. So, I mean, that's a significant chunk of what we're able to see is going into um, third parties such as iShares, right? So how this works, and I, I don't want to mansplain it, but... Uh, <laughs> no, we, we all need the explanation. <laughs> this is, and this is, like, the whole point of the piece is that when you look at this, it feels very much like, oh, like, MSB, like, I, how am I going to understand this? But we need you to explain it because it's important <laughs> for all of us. So, no, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, how this works is Georgetown takes a big chunk of our money um, right. or the money that they have. Which is partially our money. Which is partially yeah, yeah. our money. A lot of it is coming from tuition. We get into that in, in the editorial. And then they give it to this third party, this group of investors who say, okay, Georgetown, we're going to take your money and we promise that we're going to invest it in corporations that will give you a nice, sizable profit. Right. However, if you, if you look into the iShares fund, for example, where Georgetown invested over $40 million, um, look at their website and they say, we we do not seek to follow a sustainable impact or ESG investment strategy. ESG standing for environmental, social, and government strategy. And they just say it right up front. And, yeah. and the whole thing is like, I mean, you were saying earlier that this whole piece is about Georgetown's socially responsible investing policy, that they have this policy to not be putting money into these harmful companies. And I just want to read their mission statement just to like contrast what you just read from the iShares. Mm -hmm. They have... Uh, you know, sworn an intent to integrate a commitment to social justice, protection of human life and dignity, stewardship for the planet, and promotion of the common good into its investment management practices. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you put 40 million into iShares and 60 million into who knows what other third-party investment companies, I mean, who knows where that money is going to? Exactly. And I mean, you guys outlined right here all of the, even the political impacts, things yeah. like uh, domestic prison labor and um, workers' rights violations, even things like like the Israeli apartheid and, and occupied Palestine. I mean, all of these seem so far away from the money that we're talking about, but really the impact is is very direct. And yeah. in a way, by not asking questions and demanding an answer the way that you guys are doing on the Ed Board, I mean, we're almost enabling them. Absolutely. You brought up a lot of really good things here. So I want to highlight Georgetown's history of student organizing because I think with how often you know we have turnover, you know most people are here only for four years. A lot of that institutional memory gets lost. But Absolutely. organizing divestment campaigns on Georgetown's campus goes back decades. I mean, um, while researching for this piece, we found an article in in the Washington Post archives talking about thirty five students at Georgetown University being arrested for protesting South African apartheid Shock. in 1986. And, and part of that protest was calling on Georgetown to divest. And that organizing was instrumental to dismantling apartheid in South Africa. It of literally course. changed the course of history. And of course, I don't want to give students full credit for you know the actions of organizers on the ground in South Africa. Right. But it, it would be naive to say that organizing, student organizing in the West played no part. And even... Um, 
Desmond Tutu and other apartheid leaders later came to America, visited universities, and uh, spoke openly about the impact that students had. So um, divestment is no small action, right? Absolutely. Like it has very, can have very significant impacts. consequences, yeah, yeah. exactly. I think it's also pertinent because a huge sum of Georgetown's money that they're investing is coming directly from us. You know, we should have a say in where that money is going. We, Absolutely. as the students who are giving this money to Georgetown. So what's happening is these third parties kind of serve as a cover for how Georgetown's using their money. Because we don't know how iShares is using Georgetown's $40 million ultimately. Maybe it's all going towards ethical corporations. Maybe they are listening to Georgetown's recommendation and saying, you know what, fine, Georgetown, we won't necessarily invest in what's most profitable, but we'll, we'll find ethical ones to invest in that will still return a high profit. Right. But we don't know if they're exactly. doing that, and and we have reason to believe that they're not doing that. I mean, given their their mission, given statement. their right, right. given the statement on their website, and and we know that iShares is also investing in quite egregious corporations, um, tobacco manufacturers, nuclear weapons manufacturers, and then they also say companies involved in um, controversial weapons, those being um, weapons that have been banned under certain international treaties. So think cluster munitions that, wow. or biological weapons that just wholly harm uh, civilian populaces. So you know, mass atrocities going Absol on in the I mean, world. Overall, that just terrifying. We, it is terrifying. And it's like, we're, we, we're complicit in that, or we could be complicit in that. And, right. and the point is, there's just so much that we don't know. And, and we don't know because there are systemic structures in place that are preventing us from knowing, that are preventing us from being able to hold Georgetown accountable. And it's so important for us to hold Georgetown accountable, not only as just people who care about the common good, who care about the world, who, you know, to be super cliche, follow Jesuit values. Right. <laughs> exactly what <laughs> um, they want us to be doing. Exactly. Who, who want to be following the mission of this school, but also just on a more practical note, a lot of this money is coming directly from our tuition. Exactly. We're handing this money over to Georgetown, expecting it to be reinvested into this school and into our communities and even into communities aside from us that are in need. But that's not what's happening. Right. You know, we can all point to problems on campus um, with our dorms, with the dining halls, with whatever that need to be improved. And Georgetown has all this money. Why are we not seeing those results? And why is that money instead going into problematic corporations? Right, especially as like, I mean, we can just take, you know, the population in this room, two SFS students. We're here studying, d devoting so much of our time to a future in which we can have an impact on these issues. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm working, you know, concentrating in the Middle East. The Israeli-Palestinian issue is very important to mm. me. When our money is being potentially invested in upholding that occupation or even just, I mean, it's scary. It's, it's undoing the work that we're here trying to, to accomplish. This is our future that we're setting ourselves up for, and our school is giving us the education, saying, go out into the world, make a change, and then completely counteracting, like, our work. Absolutely. Romy, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up um, the Israeli occupation of Palestine because that's an issue that's much more clear-cut with Georgetown's investments. So we talked about third parties and how they could be investing in unethical companies, but we don't really no, know. Right. We have reason to believe that that's what's happening, but we don't know for sure. But like I mentioned, Georgetown directly invests in some corporations. Georgetown directly sends their money to um, Alphabet, which is Google, 
um, and Amazon. And Google and Amazon were two corporations that jointly entered into a contract to build a cloud computing system for the Israeli government and, and military. Um, and this system, for those who want to read more, is called the Nimbus Project. And what it, what it essentially is, is an artificial, it's to build artificial intelligence technology for facial detection to help surveil Palestinians, right? So Palestinian freedom of movement is extremely limited. Palestinians live in fear of the occupation, of being monitored every single day. That's just how the occupation, the apartheid functions, right? right. And what we're seeing is that's being further advanced and solidified by these multinational corporations, specifically Google and Amazon. Why is Georgetown directly giving their money slash our money to these corporations that are very openly complicit. And we saw in 2017 this um, divestment campaign that was led by a, a, a diverse coalition of students, um, and not only Palestinians, but also black students played a major part. And it, it was um, calling for the divestment, not only from Israel, but also from prison labor. So we see solidarity formed among students, recognizing that these struggles are interconnected and that we need to unite together and fight together and you know what's really frustrating is even after all that organizing with all that solidarity with all that community building it was ultimately unsuccessful yeah. part of the reason why this article wasn't georgetown divest but georgetown change your policies was because we we've seen how divestment campaigns in the very recent past have failed we saw you know, students made an excellent case for why Georgetown should divest from the state of Israel. And, and yet that was turned down because of what? This non-answer that we don't think it will be effective. Based right. on what? Without any argument, without any evidence. But once Georgetown gives that answer, what can students do? Right. The campaign falls apart and then with the, within the next few years, those students graduate and it's largely forgotten. At, right. And we're back at ground zero where we're the next generation of students rediscovering these same exact investments that those students in 2017 were organizing against. And it's like, what, do we do it, the exact yeah, same thing and end up cycle. in the exact same place? And exactly. at some point you have to go back to the roots to find the solution. Absolutely. So, so that's why we wanted to dig into the policy itself and identify the flaws and say, hey, how can we change this so that it can actually be a structure of accountability where students can petition to the administration and can protest in a way that is effective, that doesn't just get repressed and shut down by, you know, people in high places giving non-answers. And then we go back to what you were saying earlier about the students who were arrested in, in I believe it was it the 80s, 1986, Yeah, in 1986. Um, for, you know, calling for divestment for, you know, the apartheid in South Africa. And exactly. now we're seeing almost, you know, history repeats itself. Um, right. But... There was, I, I, there was this quote that you guys pulled for the article saying divestment would not be an effective tactic to end hostilities Ooh. or promote a peaceful resolution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And, I yep. mean, we've truly seen before that it is. Mm -hmm. And so you guys calling for this divestment and calling for transparency and accountability is really a wonderful thing. And I really am so amazed with this article and the work that you guys were able to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited for it to get out um, into our student body in this week's issue. So the last thing I want to ask you is, is why does this matter for our students on campus? 
Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I think there are, there are layers to why sh people should care, and it, it's often difficult to articulate. You know, why should you care about this? Because I don't know. To socially minded listeners, it might feel evident, but then to others, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges that came up in the editing chain was like, well, what do you say to ec economically minded people who are just saying, you know what, the world sucks, but we need to return a high profit, and that's right. important, and. You know, I think it comes down to, in a sense, just reaffirming our humanity and the humanity of others. You know, m money is impermanent, but, you know, you can't bring back lives that are lost. You can't, you know, we're at points in um, the destruction of our environment where certain things will never be repaired. Um, you know, our world is being destroyed irreparably in so many ways. and. Georgetown is a big player in that destruction through their investment portfolio. And we, we go to a school that emphasizes social mission on paper. And that's that's a huge reason why so many of us come here. That's certainly a, a big reason why I decided to apply to Georgetown was because I wanted to go to a place where um, I, I could learn more about how to better the world that I'm living in, how to give back to the communities, to understand what what we really owe to each other as human beings. And, you know, I think the the point is well taken about profits and, you know, it, it's prudent to invest where you can return the highest sum. But I, I think we need to question our priorities. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and for shedding so much light on this really important issue. And I'm, like I said, so excited for this piece to get out in this week's issue. And to our listeners, make sure to check out the editorial board's article in this week's issue of The Voice, and check out the rest of our podcasts on georgetownvoice.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you so much, Romy.